we are live. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Holy Crap, the Vlogcast. The Vlogcast comes from a skeptical point of view to answer some of the questions of why. The Vlogcast started as a combination of spite and the Streisand effect because Joey Dallin and I, well, we basically had stuff that we still wanted to talk about that people didn't like to talk about because, uh, uh, reasons. Part of this is to follow through with the old adage, sometimes the journey is more important than the destination. I'm your main host. I'm known as Shujin Tribble, pretty much everywhere. On You can find me under that name wherever podcasts are sold. S-H-U-J-I-N. I've got coffee tonight. There's reasons. I'll explain parts of that in a little bit. We have a truncated group. There's, there's reasons. Again, I'll kind of fill you in on a whole bunch of the stuff. Top right-hand corner of the bingo card, otherwise known as your screen if you're watching us right now, because that's the way it played out this time from up the northwest corner of North America. Down. good evening. Hi. <laughs> good evening. I like that you said you had everything prepped, but apparently not uh, not my location in relation to I other locations. Di- I didn't. I didn't. Uh, you know, I, I looked at it and I was thinking to myself, do I want to? Do I not want eh, You know what? You know, There's well, reasons. There's reasons tonight. Yeah, to be fair, that that is the problem with, with Canada is that, you know, our cities and our towns are so spread out and there's so few of them relative to the surface, you know, relative to the provincial area. You can actually run out of names in a hurry. Oh, I don't know about that. Oh, no, no, not not when not when you start zooming around a little bit with Google Maps. You, you pan around a little bit. You 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 find stuff. I mean, shit, I actually found the home of Dairy Queen. Uh, no, sorry, Burger Queen. Calling a Dairy Queen. Listen to me. That's that's actually that. that was that was fun. That was fun. <laughs> it was actually great. Could actually they actually had one of the Google cars drive past it. So it was on the street view. That was that was brilliant. So, well, I mean, hey, if Google can find, you know, a, a, a cheating husband, then they can certainly find a, a Burger Queen. That's, you know, another, that's an old story. That's that. That <laughs> is, that is. Uh, Midwest, the U.S., down to the right a little bit. Bridget, good evening. Good evening. How are you holding together, hon? Oh, doing OK. And I'm OK. And uh, a hop, skip and a jump. And more skipping across the water over to Paris. Good morning, Joseph. It's good to see you again. Good morning, sir. Yeah. Um, let me let me go ahead and fill in a couple of uh, a couple of empty slots, so to speak, with the way that things are going right now. We know full well that Joey, well, Dal and I had uh, had the fun of chatting him up last night for the show that we do there. Uh, he he was he was not. Terribly unconscious, barely conscious last night. He was actually doing pretty good last night. So uh, it's it's entirely possible with the way that stuff is going that he's just, you know, he's exhausted, tired, sleeping off. And, you know, the way that Dallin and I have heard him the last couple of weeks, don't blame him one bit. He shows up, he shows up. You don't, you don't. That's, that's fine. Don't sweat yeah. it. He's, he's he, let's face it, guy's kind of working hard, and he's got enough stress on him as it is. So, you know. Yeah, if, you, if you've ever heard the expression, rode hard and put away wet. Yeah. Yep. Uh, not not in the context that some of us are thinking. No, but considering it, some of the nights that he's worked where it's been raining and shit, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. that's not far off from the truth at all. Um, Unredo Tech is uh, currently on the 
well, how, how do I best put this? Um, he is taking uh, he is taking a well earned sabbatical for a little while, so he's going to be off, which is perfectly fine. He's he knows full well he's got uh, he's got every right to go ahead and and you okay, come in. You guys playing Uno over there? I'd like to join you? Can I play Uno? I'd like to play Uno now? You know, whatever. It's 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 fine. So uh, we will see. Uh, I am going to. Uh, I am going to put out the word over at the uh, the skeptical podcaster groups and see about having see if anybody wants to join us for uh, for a while. Uh, specifically, I want to see if we can get someone who is female. Uh, I would especially love uh, someone who is well. How can I best put this? Uh, someone non-Caucasian, especially, because let's face it, I've, you know, I, I kind of try to get as diverse as I can and it'd be nice to have another lady on the group and somebody who's got a different perspective entirely, because let's face it, you know, it, you are not Caucasian, especially here in the US, yeah, your 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 life is gonna be quite a bit different from a lot of the rest of us. So, you know, I'd like to have a little bit of that. But we shall see. I I'll, I'll put out the word and see where this all goes from us all. Uh there are there are other things that are going on, uh, obviously enough, because I mean, let's face it, it's <laughs> there there there's stuff. There there's a there's a lot of hurry up and wait is what it is right now with the whole, you know, world. So, except for New Zealand, apparently, who is um, doing a great job over there, guys. So, you know, congratulations. So we uh, we wait and see how all this plays out. So as usual, if you are with us live, feel free to take advantage of the live chat, which on my screen is over here, which for you people watching live is that direction also. So, Stephanie, I do see you over there. And yes... Yes, I do prefer coffee. Um, however, however, given the opportunity, and I, and I, I got the opportunity to, to remind somebody of this, given the choice between coffee and a grasshopper, I will go ahead and I will get a grasshopper every time just to make the guy at the bar go, wait, no, I, I remember this. I know how to make this. I do. Have, do I have milk? Yeah, I know how to make this. <laughs> Which is exactly what happened at uh, at Anthrocon that year, by the way, down. That's yeah. exactly what happened at the bar when I asked. Yeah, which is weird because uh, up here, uh, grasshopper is actually a type of beer brewed by uh, Big Rock. So as soon as you said, you know, confusing the bartender, I'm like, what's so confusing about taking a bottle, pop at the top, and handing it to you? Ooh. I did not know this. Yeah, yeah. Slight little bit of miscommunication there. There, there could be. There could be. It's not Swiss off. No, it's 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 good. And if anybody wants to know what uh, what goes into a grasshopper, milk, cream de mint, cream de cocoa, ice, shake it up. And what does it look like? It is green. It's a mint milk. Yes, it is, and it is... Um, it looks like you put chrysalis through a blender. There's a, there's, a, there's a special kind of person that actually understands that reference, and I am one of them. Uh, 
considering the webinar I had earlier this week and who was hosting it, can you blame me for going there? Yeah, that's, a, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. It's all good. Anyway, um, so obviously enough, uh, there's going to be plenty of news uh, to kind of talk about tonight. As far as to a topic, really, um, there isn't. So we're going to be all over the map. We're it, It's half check-in, half just whatever comes to our heads. So if... If this is the kind of thing that you want to you know you want to hang out with us for, hey, cool, great. If it's something that you, you really want to go into, like one of the topics instead, you know that that's cool too. Don't sweat it. We're we're not going to be upset if you know you don't like us anymore. It's it's, it's fine. You know, it's, it, you don't piss off. And be reminded, today's topic is no topic. That's effectively it. I read that. Last time. I appreciate it. So, how about I just go ahead and. Uh, get everything rolling and uh, and start things off for us so we kind of know where, where we're supposed to be and of course i've got the uh, i've got the information for us to talk about when we come back so with uh with five minutes on the clock for you for tonight your five minute freestyle starts right now and i did label it as sunday now i try to make these topics well at least the wording for it is one word instead of two uh, there's, there's, there's a reason. There's a reason for that. It, it is actually supposed to be two words, Sunday. Because back in 1978, the American president, Jimmy Carter, otherwise known as the peanut farmer, disparagingly enough, that wimpy Democrat who put solar panels on the White House, which were subsequently taken down by the follow-up, President Ronald Reagan, may he continue to spin in whatever crevice he's now holed up into, but be that as it may. Sunday was basically the equivalent of Earth Day. The idea is that for future generations, for us to be able to have power for all, we can simply harness the power of the sun. Because it's unregulated by any government agency, it cannot be stopped. And let's face it, until you end up running into that Y5B problem, it's pretty much active, you know, even at night. Just a little tougher to get to, but be that as it may. The problem with that, however, is the same problem that ended up happening with my country formally adopting, societally, the metric system. Because, for whatever reason, the legislative branch in my country decided that they didn't like the the soft-spoken Democrat peanut farmer in office for whatever reason, so they basically just scuttled all the stuff that he really wanted to do, which was, you know, some good stuff. You know, the metric system, we're, we would like to think that, you know, some of us actually know how to work the metric system. I mean, for most of us, it's it's as easy as, you know, having both hands in front of your face, unless you're Bobby Carey, in which case it's nine and three quarters. But, you know, I, I digress. Love you, Bobby. But they scuttled stuff under his feet, the switch over to metric? Oh, it's too hard. It's too difficult. Why should we even bother? 
Yeah, how many feet are there in a mile? Or how many yards to a mile? Or how many inches to a foot? Twelve. Okay, that one's easy. Cool. Because everybody deals with, you know, a dozen that way. That That's nice. But why? Why does it have to be this archaic system that virtually nobody else follows anymore? I mean, 10 is easy. You just keep adding a zero at the end or a zero at the front and move the decimal points. And it's, 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 it's simple. It's easy. It's standardized. I mean, shit, when Great Britain decided that they were going to go to decimalization of their money, everybody threw a fit because now what are we going to do with our crowns and farthings and two pennies, two pence? What are we going to do with all that? Oh, now we just have to count to 10. Okay. They made the switch. Here in the U.S., it's, I mean, it should have been easy to do. But no. No, just like with Sunday, the switch over to decentralized power, cleaner power generation, was basically shoved aside for no good reason other than spite? I don't know, man. We find it's good enough for the International Space Station, and it's been up there for, uh, you know, a couple of decades? And they're doing just fine. Why can't we do it here? It would make sense. It's it's simplified. Everybody has their own power generation. Everybody has their own power storage. And everybody in communities could conceivably share, if necessary. Supplemented with wind, which still comes from the sun, ultimately. Be a nice thing to do, wouldn't it? One less thing to have to worry about. And save the carbon dioxide generation for the winter in front of the fireplace for just a couple hours at a time because it's fun. This is episode 309 on the docket, Your Honor. Dirty laundry. Like I said, we're just gonna, you know, just basically we're just gonna shoot the shit is, is what it comes down to because, um, like I said, there's there's stuff. I've had a little bit of an emotional week. Um, I will say as much with that as I've kind of come to an early empty nest syndrome because Tiny Tribble has decided where he wants to go to college and has pulled the pin on acceptance. So he's going to be uh, roughly an hour and a half away from here when college starts, assuming they allow everybody to populate the college campuses again. We're not sure how that's all going to play out just yet, so we'll wait and see. Wait, acceptance is a place. Uh, he he accepted he 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 accepted what college he wants to go to, and oh, he will be going. Uh, there were three that he was looking at, so he's going to be uh, like I said, he's going to be about an hour and a half uh, away from here, as opposed to four or five. So, 
Um, so there was, uh, there was a lot of stuff that went into that. That was very tough on me emotionally. Uh, basically because I, well, you, you remember the old, uh, you, you remember the old, uh, uh, routine from, uh, Liberace, I wish my brother George were here, which I know got translated into Bugs Bunny using it. But, you know, I, I really wish my wife were here for this. So you know, it was it was really tough on me. And uh, specifically today, I had a really I had a really low trough day emotionally for no reason other than it just kind of hit. Such happens. So I've had uh, I've had a, a, I've had a couple of hours of really being down, but you know I'm I'm okay at the moment. So it is is what it is, and you know we did get the word here in New York State that schools, uh, public schools, will be closed for the remainder of the academic year. We don't know what that's going to be looking like for graduation ceremony or for you know prom or anything like that. We're still waiting to see because everybody's kind of trying to MacGyver the shit out of all this. So, you know, it'll it will be what it will be. So we, we kind of have to wait and see. Is what it is. But we're here. We're going to do our thing and we're going to keep you know, doing our best to, uh, to help you guys out. Um, yeah. And, uh, Stephanie had, had mentioned, by the way, uh, my, my talk about, um, our, uh, our, uh, our ex-president, uh, he was a success- successful peanut farmer, uh, and he has continued into his nineties to continue working with Habitat for Humanity. I forgot to mention that. And he still goes out in his 90s helping to build houses. Shit. How cool is that? He's an old man and he's still doing his thing. Still happily married, if I remember right, too. So, you know, good on you there. Well, okay, the cynical part of me is thinking maybe that's why he still goes out in his 90s. (laughs) Just saying. Just Look, I'm not throwing shade on the institution. I'm just... I'm just throwing it out there as a possibility. It's fair enough. And uh, real quickly, uh, I did go looking up information about Rafe Badawi. Uh, there is some kind of report that he may have been brought back into court for some reason or another. Something to do with his hunger strike. Not quite sure what's going on. Reports are sketchy at best, so blame the Magic 8-Ball on the the problems that we've got getting legit information out from there. However, without him coming out at this point, as of the recording of tonight's show, it is now seven years, 10 months, 17 days since Rafe Badawi was unjustly incarcerated for thought crimes. Our hopes and our thoughts are still with you and your family. We are still waiting. And as an aside, remember they have said that they will no longer be issuing um, whip strikes any longer. So that's that's something at least. So we can hope. 
So, folks, what do you say to uh, kicking off the horrible scopes tonight and uh, having a little bit of fun and then working through all this happy horse shit? Sounds like a plan? Works okay. for me. So let me get you uh, let me get you guys rolling over here. So, um, you know what? How about I let Dallin start tonight because I had intentionally written Aries with him in mind. So we'll just... Oh, really? Yes, okay. I did, as a matter of fact. So <laughs> What's the order going to be? It, it's still going to continue the same way. It's just that we're starting with Dallin, then it'll come to you, then to Joseph, then back over to me, and I'll flip back around that way. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, you lucky people. So here are your hor- horrible scopes for this week. Starting off with Aries. The universe is lined up right where you want it. So take that pool cue and go for the trick shot. Hey, it worked for NASA in the 70s with Voyager. It can work for you. You'll win like you always do, with a wink and a kiss thrown to the crowd. Except the crowd is at home watching on the streaming service. At least playing billiards in VR, you can't bury your cue through the felt. See, I... I Exactly. Yes? I, I know exactly why you did this. Yes, I did. Taurus, you are very intelligent on your feet, but lose all credibility when sitting down, thus proving that you are a smart ass. Look, if everyone else was to sit like Mork from Ork on their heads, eventually they'd sound like they were talking out their asses too. All you need to do is never sit down again, and you'll be the leader of Latveria in no time. There's a handful of people that get that reference. Thank you. Uh, oh, me? Yes. Yep. Okay. Uh, where are we? <clears throat> Gemini. Being a con artist has a number of connotations these days. Maybe you're a thief, maybe you're a sculptor, maybe you're working on the TV series Con Man with Alan Tudyk and Alan and Nathan Fillon. In any case, can he get Nathan's autograph for us? Maybe a lock of his hair? But I mean, something with a hair root still attached. You know, for the DNA. What? No? Nothing like that? Just want to, you know, clone him. Yeah, well, it's, it's a choice. We can either clone him or we can get um, the chin. And again, there's a handful of people that get that reference and you're my people. Cancer Moonchild, don't make a move you know that stop just listen you know that story you were told as a kid about how there was nothing in your closet at night and it was all just some weird pre-sleep dream you had yeah that's totally what it was it's not like someone snuck a shoebox with a hamster in your closet before you were going to bed to freak you out at night no never Never, never, never happened that way. I never did the uh, statute of limitations. Going on. You know, I, I wish some people I knew had thought of pranks like that when I was a kid. Anyway, <laughs> Leo, you know how much you hate people slurping their soup when it's hot. Well, you better reconsider that trip to Japan then. Hot noodles in hot soup like soba is supposed to be slurped. There's nothing wrong with that. And no, 
you're not going to put ice cubes in your miso soup to cool it down so you don't have to slurp too. I mean, who even does that? Virgo, this horrible scope is closed for renovations. We apologize for any incontinence this closure has closed. This closure has caused. This is the editor typing. Sorry for that mix-up. The original writer should not have said we apologize for any incontinence. What should have been written there was sorry we pissed you off. Now, if you'd all kindly eat a big fat shut the hell up, we'd appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, suddenly. Okay, just a quick note. I read this one last night. Mm -hmm. And I think I missed something there because at at the end, uh, the people I was talking to uh, since I wasn't at the club, all I typed in was, what the hell did I just read? And the response I got from everybody around me was, we're not sure either. (laughs) I think I missed a word. Anyways. Joseph, oh, Libra, yes. <laughs> sorry. Uh, I was still clicking away. Um, you, Virgo. Libra. Oh, no. no Libra. Libra. With damn near everyone on pandemic lockdown, career choices are a little tough to come by. The taxidermy practice we told you about got raided by the police when they were tipped off about a bare-handed deer hunt video showing the hunter losing the fight and a very pissed-off buck. Uh, bucking the hell out of the hunter. So we suggest becoming a nature wildlife photographer. Just be sure the deer can't get at you. It's some some people were paying attention less. Uh, Scorpio, the trees are budding, the birds are chirping, the frogs are peeping, the Canada goose are honking. Yeah, that's right. Some frogs peep. They don't croak. Some hiss too, kind of like Canada goose do. Maybe there's a connection. They both sound like Zeus. We know he did it as a swan, but did he do it with a frog? Someone go pull out the Advanced Dungeons and Dragons book, Deities and Demigods, and check to see what it says. Sagittarius. Remember that story we did where we said, you suck? Yeah, sorry about that. That was kind of mean to point out. What we didn't say was that we knew you'd get all passive-aggressive at us at the time and not actually physically attack us. So now that the statute of limitations has expired, uh, we cool now? Oh, um, and don't forget to close the curtain in the bathroom next time. Record. Buy a box of fake eyeballs. You'll thank us later. Specifically in the fall when everyone else is trying to pull off a Nick Fury costume. You'll be ready ahead of time. All you need is a long black leather coat and a calico cap. Better make sure the coat sleeves are reinforced so the cat doesn't scratch your arms to hell. Yeah, I... I See, I, I I made a mistake on one 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 god di- you know whatever, Aquarius. Oh, sorry, Joseph. I'm getting ahead of myself. <clears throat> yeah, well, uh, better for me. Uh, we're not Aquarius. We're not talking to you exactly. Just the people who know you. Hey, friends of Aquariuses, you remember all those pictures you've taken where your Aquarius friend's face was all blurry? 
and it seems to happen almost every damn time. Yeah, that's not you, it's them. They are the Flash, and now, Aquarius, you thought you could hide it forever, didn't you? Well, the word is out now. And, of course, my fellow fish Pisces, <coughs> being the most artistically inclined of the group, you're going to need to make a theme song for Aquarius. There's been two TV series about the Flash, and one of them basically reused the 1989 Batman theme. So you need to come up with a new song for him that isn't derivative of someone else's work. And no, you can't use Fly to the Bumblebee. That was used by the Green Hornet. <laughs> and those are your horrible scopes for this week. No backsies. Keep your receipt. Uh, returns only in the original container. 15% restocking fee and... and um, piss off you're on your own uh, you got what you paid for i don't know Dallin, did you did you see the uh, uh, the version of the, uh, the the trombone player doing the uh, flood of the, yeah I, I thought that you i did would have yeah, yeah I, it makes me wonder if something like that is like a badge of honor for um for some people would you be know, able to play it well, yeah, like like anybody depending on the instrument you have, if you can do flight of the bumblebee with it. Uh, you know, that, that they kind of put you into some kind of elite status or something. Yeah, masochist. That too, yeah. I mean, there are, okay, there are certain instruments that Flight of the Bumblebee should not be played on, but can be. Uh, for instance, uh, trombone, okay, you know, that's that, it's a lot more difficult, but okay. Uh, you mentioned uh, tuba, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, okay, it's still... A, you you speak from a technical standpoint. It's not that difficult, technologically speaking. Stringed instruments, it's a lot harder because you know the the technology that is producing sound is a lot more finicky. Uh, piano, eh, yeah, it's 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 a lot of speed that's involved. You should not ever play Flight of the Bumblebee on the oboe or the bassoon. Ever. Although, if you do pull it off, you're a hero. Joseph, what was that? I said try it on a kazoo. I... (laughs) I don't think that I should. I really don't think it's such a good idea. Nobody needs that. Done it on clarinet or <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. I can see that. Uh, well, I mean Okay. Considering the, the very first note of uh, Rhapsody in Blue, anybody that can pull off that first clarinet note, wow. Well, I, I just went to YouTube just for fun. And I typed in Flight of the Bumblebee, and you know, you got the predictive text that comes up underneath? Uh-huh. The following instruments that it listed are... Oh, balls. Here it comes. Violin. Yep. Guitar. Trumpet. Flute. Trombone. Piano. Clarinet. Saxophone. Orchestra. Bass. Tuba. 325 beats per minute. And... Uh, for all you parents with young kids, no, no, recorder. Oh, fuck, what? <laughs> recorder. Oh yeah. 
I think uh, I played it on my chanter. What's the uh, same? Okay. Since we're down this avenue anyway. Do you know what a Jesus. chanter is? Uh, wait, what? Do you know what a chanter is? Yes. No. Yeah. Oh, it's the... From backpipes. Okay, wait a minute. I know of bagpipes. I know of Eulian pipes, uh, and I can't pronounce it properly because I I don't have that. Um, wait, what did you call it again? Chanter. 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 It's the 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 bottom part of the pipe bit where all the finger holy things go. Oh, okay. So it's it, it's a part of the bagpipe that you could actually blow through it and play it like its own instrument without the bag. Yeah, and for practice, we have uh, something that's nothing but that part of the instrument, so you don't annoy the neighbor so much. I so actually, so much. I've actually noticed that. That's the important part. So much. You're still yeah. gonna piss them off, but not not quite as bad. And yeah, it looks I, a lot like a record. Yeah, I've actually seen one in a video, um, which was a very interesting video. It was a collaboration between three bagpipe, bagpipers uh, doing the song Shipping Up to Boston and then shifting into Enter Sandman. And yes, just so you know, they pulled it off. That's a hard thing to do because most people don't... Well, um realize it or not, but I mean, the bagpipe is out of tune. I mean, there's only the... I think there's only two notes it can play uh, tuned to other instruments. I think it's high, high A? B e and A, I think, are the only notes that are tuned to... Let's see if I can find it. Here it is. Common traditional instruments. Yeah, I never studied them, but as I recall... You've usually got three pipes up the top that are in. Oh God, I forgot what uh, I forgot what it's actually tuned to as far as to uh, the drone uh, chord that it should be. But yeah, it's it's kind of one of those things. Okay, that's an interesting thumbnail. And that's an E. Uh... Yeah, that's the uh, that's the song. So. These three, they start off with shipping up to Boston, and then they switch into Enter Sandman. Uh, these three are actually the, the middle one. I believe she's known as the Snake Charmer. She also did a Star Wars medley uh, that centered a lot around Duel of the Fates. Kind of almost, it, it was like Duel of the Fates, bagpipes mixed with dubstep. And again, she pulled it off. Okay. It's kind of like one of those things. It, it's one of those videos you look at and go, no, no, not no. And then yeah. you hear it, you're like, then you hear it, you're like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, who else do I remember that did something like that? Um, uh, the Red Hot Chili Pipers doing uh, uh, ACDC. No, they did. No, yes. They did a combination of Smoke on the Water and some other ACDC uh, thunder, Thunderstruck medleyed together. Um, yeah, weird, weird stuff like that. The, I, I would arguably say one of the weirdest redos of a song 
when I found out that Paul Anka, who was huge in the 70s, mm-hmm. decided that he would take popular songs from the 80s and redo them. So to hear a a big band crooner sing Van Halen's Jump, you know, that was that was, uh, that's, was that's great. That's great. Who was the other guy that did that? Um Oh, he, he he did big band. It wasn't Paul Anka, but it was somebody else. He had a he had an album that was called In a Metal Mood, and he did like a he did a big band version of Paradise City and a couple of others, and he got into like twelve levels of hell from his. Um, We're not talking about Richard Cheese, right? No, no. Okay, well, let me let me see if I can find him. For anybody that goes looking up Richard, Cheese, don't go looking up Richard. Seriously, if you're if you're on a work computer, don't go looking up Richard, Richard Cheese. Not now. I got it. I got it. I got it. Pat Boone. Oh. Yeah, Pat Boone did an entire album called In a Metal Mood, where he did big band, <clears throat> excuse me, covers uh, of like Guns N' Roses and a couple of three others. Uh, and apparently amongst his peer group, he got into a ton of crap for it. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Uh, on, on the bright side... Uh, it, I, I was, I was thinking of somebody else entirely for a couple of seconds there. I was, oh shit. Who the hell, um, um, Camelot, um, crap. Uh, who, who, who was that? Shit. I don't remember who the hell that well, I'm going to have to look that up. Uh, Polanka swings. Yep. That's, that's the one. Yeah. No, what was the uh, what, what was you talking about? Camelot. You said? Um, it was because Camelot could be a that's a symphonic metal band that I know quite well. Or it was a uh, the stage play. Yes. You thinking? So you're thinking? Um, oh God! Camelot. Played, the, uh, the the uh, here we he, go. He played Dumbledore. Uh, no, wait, 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 wait. Who 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 was it? The here in Camelot. Yeah. God, um, who that frick was the... Was it the movie version? Oh, it was the movie version. That's why. You're thinking Richard Harris? I might be. Sorry, Richard Harris as King Arthur? Yeah, I was talking about bagpipes. I, I think we kind of went from bagpipes to just weird versions of music. <laughs> yeah, that's it's basically what it comes down to. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Are there? No, it must have been. Wow. Okay. He, admittedly, he was much younger at the time, so I'm I'm picturing yeah. him quite a bit differently. It's, you know, it's funny. It's, I, it's I just I went looking for a clip, and I saw I saw the movie version. I'm like. But the one I saw was actually a stage performance that was done, and it was aired on HBO all way back when. So that's the one I remember. I don't remember him doing a movie version. I don't know that he... See, I, I've, I closed that window, and I shouldn't have. Um... I'm just going to... 
invented. Um, uh, just a shout out to my nephew, Tage, who is the, um, uh, I don't think he's the official bagpiper, but anyways, for the, uh, for the Canadian army. Very cool. Yeah. So he's taking up the flame, finishing what I never finished. Because I only began to, began to learn the bagpipes. I mean, I can play, but it has been, what, 35 years? <laughs> it would have been so much fun if that had been an option for me to learn in school, like for the band. <laughs> Good luck hearing anybody else. Yeah. It's all about me. Nothing up with that. And Stephanie, yep. You're right. Richard Harris was in the movie. Yeah, I think I saw that on. Uh, I think I saw that on HBO at the time too. Yeah. And funny enough, I went looking up the the play, the the theater production, and I saw that it was uh, originally over at the Winter Garden in New York City. And I'm pretty sure I've seen something at the Winter Garden once upon a time ago. And that's so why I'm kind of looking through the list of all the stuff that's been there, and it's like, oh. You guys started in 1911. Oh my god, I, I'm pretty sure I didn't see anything back then. So let's see what uh, what's been Mame. Oh my god, Mame. It was more than 39 years ago. It's you know what? I believe the expression I'm looking for here is um. Now look here, you little shit. Billy is it two forty seven? I'm not sure, Dallas. No, it, it, it'd be kind of like, you know... Um, the big shit doesn't really have the... <laughs> no, it doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't quite have the same it would amount. Him yelling at me, Joseph, would be kind of like uh, Joe Pesci having to like uh, crane up to look at Andre the Giant. <laughs> Whoa! How, how tall are you, by the way? Uh, I'm going in freedom units here for everybody. It's, I'm six foot three. Okay. That qualifies as two meters, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm just playing at six feet. Yeah, close enough. I'm a little. I'm a little shorter than. You know, we're not going to get into that. Uh, I just, like I said, I'm looking at the the listing. 1982. Othello, which okay, cool, and cats. But then there's a complete break from 1982 until 2001. So even back in the day, Cats was destined to kill theaters all these years later. Well, the movie. Yes. I actually did. I did go see a stage production of Cats here. Okay. And it was actually kind of neat. Yeah. Um... Although it was it was kind of interesting, uh, a local uh, suitor that you and I both know, uh, Temperance, mm-hmm. uh, when they were coming to town, she actually contacted the theater and offered her services to help with makeup because name the cat, she can do it. She can do the makeup. Hell, she's got costumes. I, I've seen pictures of her in her in the cat's cosplays that she's done. And I guarantee you that that is like Broadway quality. If that's such a thing. Oh, it is. It absolutely is. Yeah. They turned her down and decided to go with something that was, um, 
perhaps a little bit cheaper looking. And uh, I, I was talking to her about it. And I was just like, like you offered with, and I, I think she offered without pay. And, you know, just to, I mean. Going to make the rest of us look bad. Well, basically, exactly. yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you guys have seen the head that I have. The, 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 the big tiger head that I've got. She's the one that made it. Yes. By the way, yeah, there it is. That's what I was looking for. Um, it, it, it wasn't Richard Harris. It was Robert Goulet. That's who I was picturing because I was looking through the rest of the thing. And it was just like Goulet is over there. It's just like, oh, shit. Yeah, that's who it was. <laughs> Fuck. He died in, he died in 07. Mm-hmm. 73 years young. Wow, damn. All right. Actually, um, while I was out and about today, I uh, I turned on NPR because reasons. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. And uh, they were doing something. It was called the Fresh Air Weekend. I guess it's a thing that they do. Uh, and Sometimes, yeah. Yeah, and uh, found out that uh, Bill Weathers uh, passed away this week. Uh, if, if this is the guy I think it is, give me a second. Yeah. Uh, Lean on me. Yep. Ain't no sunshine. That was him. Yep. And yeah, he, uh, so the guy who was on NPR, he actually, he'd interviewed him twice in his lifetime. Wow. And they were replay. They were playing parts of the interview. Uh, I didn't catch all of it cause I was, you know, in and out of my car, but, uh, wow. You know? And, and it's just like, just thinking to go, well, damn, there goes another one. Well, there's going to be. Uh, that's that's yeah. that's kind of the thing. Um, we're gonna we're gonna kind of end up seeing that. Uh, and to me, uh, part of that problem is that there's a certain mystique that comes out of the pre-digital age. Because you got people who worked their asses off to be good at the entertainment biz. And, you know, you I've said it before. If you couldn't hold a note, you couldn't hold a job. And you know, I, these, these, these I, people, man. Uh, I will fight on that. I still think that you need to... You still need to get good. So to borrow a, game, a gaming term, like you see a lot of these artists on YouTube these days, just as an example, you've got guys like Peter Hollins, uh, Jonathan Young, Caleb Hayes, uh, Leo Maracchioli, uh, Frogleaf Studios. Um, these guys are able to hold a note. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, um, let me see if I can find the, the name of the band. Sorry if I'm flipping around here a lot, but... Uh, uh, While you're looking that up, let me, uh, let me also kind of uh, butter a little bit of the bread on this one. I still remember hearing stories about how if you had some money, you could go to... And uh, an independent recording studio 
They got a studio band. Come in with your music. Come with your money. Give you, you know, uh, 20 minutes, half an hour in the booth. Give the guys 10 minutes to practice. Five minutes to practice. Okay, we're good. We're ready to go. Okay, let's go ahead and record you. All right, hang on. We'll have a couple of 45s pressed for you by the end of tomorrow. Yeah. That you can that you can then give out or sell or whatever. Well, it's funny. Um, have you seen the movie Old Brother, Where Art Thou with George Clooney? Have not. Okay. That whole scene you just described was actually one of the scenes in the movie where these guys got together, they paid the money, they recorded, but didn't think too much about it. And then later on in the movie, they ended up back on stage started singing the song and apparently everybody realized, recognized who they were. I guess word got out. Um, okay. I, I found the, uh, I found the band I was talking about. Mm. They're called small town Titans, a uh, three piece band. Again, just like, you know, a lot of the other bands out there these days, but th- this is why I brought them up. They did a cover of Queens fat bottom girls. Okay. They knocked it out of the park. Nice. The the melody, you know, when when the when the song first starts, I'm not even going to try it because nope. I, I value my dignity. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 what few vocal cords you might still have left after that? Yeah, I, I've got some recording to do tomorrow on my own. <laughs> Anyways, uh, the first note that they that they hit the three of them. If. Freddie was looking down from wherever he'd be smiling. They did put a slight edge on the guitars. You know I mean? It wasn't, it wasn't a, like a one-to-one note or uh, like, it's not a one-to-one thing. No, I gotcha. But, but still they, and even in the comments, people are saying, we don't, I don't like it when queen does a cover, but you killed it. Like, <laughs> Or what, they, what? I don't. They a lot of people, you know, Queen to a lot of people, it's it's sacrosanct. You know, that's you know, it's the band for for good reason. Yeah, I mean, it's a unique sound. Um, not many people could. I mean, I think the closest one I ever heard that was even close to Freddie's voice was George Michael back in the day. I mean, there was rumor. That he might have been no. There was a rumor after the the Freddie Mercury tribute concert. Uh, after he died, uh, apparently George Michael did the song. Uh, I think it was "Somebody to Love" mm-hmm. at the concert. Apparently, he went into the studio with Queen, the rest of the band, to record it. And there was rumor going around that he was going to become the new frontman, but it didn't work out. So, yeah. Um, he's, uh, he was a, he was a special kind of crazy man. Oh, he's a tough act to follow. Um, but like I was saying, like these guys, um, a lot of these other bands out there, the delivery, like being able to get your name out there is much easier, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's guaranteed success. It, It just means that now. You don't have to go to Sony, BMG, Casablanca, you know, all, all the all the big record labels. You don't have to do that anymore. True, but 
there's also another avenue. Remember, it used to be that you had um, you had handfuls of AM radio stations originally. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then FM sort of started to come in and was really uh, hard to get into because uh, purists didn't want to go over to FM, which was the whole reason why WKRP in Cincinnati was so funny. They were trying to bridge the gap into pulling the AM folks over to the FM scene. That, that That's what mm-hmm. the whole joke of it all was. Um, Dario. Well, um, amongst other things. But the problem was, compared to now, how many independently owned and operated radio stations are there at this point where you could go in with a demo and say, I I would love to give for you guys to be able to put into rotation, and, and there you go. Yeah. Compared to now where, you know, every market has got their version of Jack FM and there are no actual DJs. It's all pre-recorded bumpers and why the hell bother with anything? Yeah, but but even then, okay, like listening to Jack FM here, I, I'm not hearing a lot of new stuff. You know, if, if I want to hear something new, I end up stumbling across it on YouTube or it hits my Discover list on Spotify or, you know, maybe if I'm flipping around on Sirius XM, you know, I'll, I'll hear it there. And, and that's the thing is that there are, there are so many venues these days that, you know, you don't have to deal with, with radio. You, you can actually get rid of all the bureaucracy that was involved in getting your voice out there. You know, and, and quite literally, you make 100% of the profits. And if... You know, if these small town Titans guys or Jonathan Young, if they want to press their own CDs, there's there's a dozen services they can go to. They'll get it professionally labeled, recorded, QA'd, and then shipped out directly to the uh, to the owner. Yeah, you know, yeah. but of course these days a lot of people do digital download. Yeah, see, I got my burners. Still, got oh, I, I still I, I still got mine. Yeah, I, I'd, like, I'd like to make a shout out to there's a group I love, Radiohead. Wow. They were the yeah, in that. back in the day, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're their own label, basically. Yeah, and they were putting their shit out free. Um, yeah, I believe it. Um, they were the first to put out an album. They said, "Well, they put out an album live on the internet." And this is probably going back to wow, two thousand three or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and they said, "Okay, you pay any price you you want to for it." Oh, I, re- I remember that. Yeah, and, and um, I paid uh, actually more than the price of the album by you know like. But anyways, who was it? Um, Trent Reznor, Nine Inch Nails. He did the same thing. And then somebody did a uh, somebody had an album on the shelves that pissed off the stores because it was, uh, I believe the name of the album was Steal This Album or Steal yeah. This Record. And well, you know, <laughs> that, that uh, what was the name of that group? I don't, I do not know. But man, you want to talk about the most punk thing? Well, and there was another one. Um, 
and okay, I'm going back again to the into the Wayback Machine here uh, when podcasting first came out. Um, Shujin, you remember this, the Podsafe Music Network. Yep. Okay. So what that was, was a repository that artists could dump music into that podcasters could use on their shows without threat of penalty. They could use it royalty-free. They just had to shout out, you know, who the band was. And a lot of places, um, the hell, I knew one, two, I knew three podcasts that basically owed their existence to that network. It was UC Radio, Accident Hash with CC Chapman, and High Orbit with Matthew Ebel. Because that's what they did. They, they, they were music shows. Yep. And uh, right now, it's... Um, oh, uh, d- 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 does the music that we're using now. Oh, uh, Kevin McLeod. Yeah. And he, yeah. He, he is almost singularly uh, responsible for a good 70% of YouTubers music right now because he's a he's a god yeah and then i've got digital juice so that i can i can get all that stuff too it's (laughs) it's it's a netflix for for content it's uh it's visuals it's audio it's sound effects some of them cheesy but yeah what are you gonna do it's 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 the whole mccoy and by the way i did find it it was called steal this album by system of a down there you go um anyways one of the Podsafe artists, uh, their name was Black Lab. Yes, I remember that. Oh, yep. wow. Yeah, we're going back here. Now, what they did, or sorry, what what a lot of uh, pod show uh, casters did is they decided they were going to do something. And it was called Bum Rush the Charts. Uh, Black Lab's song Mine Again was available on iTunes back in the day. And what, what they wanted everybody to do was to get as many of their followers and listeners as possible to go to iTunes on a particular day and buy the song. Oh. Well, this is what, because this was going to be a statement. This was going to be their way of saying, we're here. We don't care about music companies. We're going to show you what the people can do. And I think for a day, that song was number one on everybody's charts. Yep. So it was, it was a proof of concept that people, you know, people were willing to pay 99 cents for a song or whatever. And you didn't have to go buy a $20 CD that had one song and then, you know, 15 tracks that were all crap. Admittedly, you know. So, yeah, it was just something. Yeah. And the thing is, this was, what, 13, 14 years ago. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's only gotten better. You know, now you can, you can listen to stuff on YouTube. If you want to go buy their stuff, you can go directly to their store. You don't have to go to any of the big labels anymore. You know, which is weird because you walk into like, you know, Sunrise Records or, or some other place or even Tower Records, if it's still around in the States, there's still 
tons of people still doing it the old-fashioned way, and I guess they're doing okay. I don't think every store is surviving on Funko Pops yet. Because you got, you got people like me that still buys actual CDs because, yeah. I mean, let's face it, um, how, how do I best put this? Um, worse comes to worse, if something goes poof on my side, it would take me a while, but I could reintroduce the whole damn thing again if I really mm-hmm. needed to. And um, truth be told, if I were to actually take, I've, okay, I'm sitting with one of the stacks of CDs from my floor up to my shoulder high. So Mm -hmm. that's a good, uh, that's a good, uh, that's a, that's a good meter two next to me of CD jewel cases, mostly CD jewel cases. Some are, you know, thin. But, yep. um, you know, the fun part of it is, I, I, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking to myself, you know, um, all that all that work of my trying to take all my music and, and put it down to hexadecimal might maybe be easier for me just to re-rip all that shit. But then there's a whole bunch of stuff that isn't ripped from CDs that's been mm-hmm. otherwise creatively acquired. Uh, no, 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 no. Not saying <laughs> I got a real weird collection of shit over here, man. That was so you know that was something that was fun though. Yeah, you wouldn't exactly know all of what you got if you were getting a full album. But then you ended up with stuff that was fun because it was art musically yes. speaking um, yeah. the best option that I can give you was the f- I think it was the first and second I forget which one it was but I'm pretty sure the first album by Chicago Transit Authority mm-hmm. before they had to change their name because they got sued almost almost got sued uh, was a Double album, four side record album, and, and I'm, I'm saying it that way because it, it's it's kind of a, a weird thing. You opened it up as one record on this side, and there's another record on this side inside of their sleeves, and you you put them on the you put them on the spindle, and side one would play. Side two would drop down and play, and you flip the whole thing over, and you get three and four. Some people don't know what the hell I'm talking about. I don't care. Don't worry about it. But but I forget which album it was or what side, but the entire side of one record platter was effectively one long song broken up into, like, five, six tracks. But each song ended on a chord that carried over and started the next track. Hmm. And it was it was it was amazing for me listening to this and it was just like okay you ended on this uh uh let's see what was it uh color my world in particular ended off with this big what was what's called a color chord where 
it was a musical version of basically laying your hand and your arm on the piano. But it was done right. So it actually had an actual chord structure. And they held that. And the next song picked up from that chord and launched on. Which was now more than ever. Two very famous songs. The entire album was done in one take? It could have been. I don't know. Um, It would be... even at the time, which would have put it at 1969, if I remember right, they would have been able to splice tape in order to get. But at the same time, it just was, for the listener, just one long song yeah, with different movements to it. Yeah, but even, you know, even in the, the 80s and 90s, um, you sure, you would buy an album for a song. Uh-huh. But the rest of the album still had to be good. Because if, if you wanted people to drop the, the $10, $15 uh, to buy your album, okay, they would buy it. They would listen to the one song. And then if the rest of the album was crap, then you're not going to be able to sell your next album because now you've got a reputation of being like a one-hit wonder. But as, as things changed, as, you know, like now you can just buy the single for 99 cents online. You don't have to go and buy an entire album. There was a transition there where, yeah, you buy a CD because you've got that one hit and the rest of it quite literally is garbage. You know, once in a while, you you know, with some, you could find a gem or two hidden on, on a CD. You know, you, you listen to the hit song. Great. Listen to the next song. Wow. This is actually pretty good. Oh, this one's pretty good too. Yeah. I like this one too, but Oh God. What was, what was one, uh, where I started to see this go wrong was Pearl jam. And yes, I'm calling that band out. They had, a, they had an album out called Vitology. And it had a song on it called Better Man, which was the, that was the hit. A bit of a dark, creepy kind of song. I liked it, so I ended up buying the album. That one song was the only thing on it that I could actually listen to without wanting to vomit on everything else. It was trash. Whatever singles you wanted evolved there was less desire or less willingness on the part of bands to compile a whole album full of decent music because, well, you know, I can make, I can make a million dollars off of one hit. Why should I put any effort into anything else? You know, they didn't get into the whole art for art's sake. And that's what you're seeing more of nowadays. Like you look at, um, well, again, I go back to Frog Leaf Studios. Buddy's got, I think, 20, 27 albums worth of content right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're all, most, they're all mostly metal or acoustic covers of, of songs. But he's but doing his thing. He's doing his thing. Uh, these Small Town Titans guys, they're, they've got their stuff out there. They're doing their thing. Uh, um, Pe- Pepper Coyote, as I recall, has got uh, easy 15. Ah, uh, 
okay, you want to go up that road? Fox some more. Yep. Also, uh, also, uh, and and they've collaborated on on a lot of stuff. Oh, I know. Now, see the, and um, I think the thing that we kind of need to really recognize at this point is that for for these guys that we're talking about, where they're uh, they're otherwise unaffiliated with the commercial music industry, and I think it's important to kind of make that distinction on that. They're doing it because they enjoy it, because the love of the art. I'm not saying that these guys don't have a love of the art, but it's far more the business of making something consumable and sellable. In terms of, well, you, you mean the, the 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 commercial labels are doing that? Um, and, or, and well, yes, because I mean, business model, but how do I, uh, how do I, how do I put this for those that are doing it because they enjoy making the music, they making the art. Yeah. And they are able to find their audience which is not a guarantee that's right and are able to make a living off of that which is again not a guarantee especially these days you know these tend to be the people for me who are really working they're trying to present the best possible for the art how many times i'm sorry can't we yeah can't we know me uh can't we extend that to any trade absolutely absolutely but um the the reason why i'm going this angle uh with with musicians in particular is because anybody all right, all right. I'm going to make a bad generalization for a second. Just hear me out a second. Quote, unquote, anybody could go out there, record themselves doing a song, and then bend notes and auto-tune any which way that they really want to, sometimes intent for the intent of bringing across a fake sound, Sometimes to kind of fix a little bit of, you know, a little bit of futz in here and there. But then you, you got. Well, hold on a second. Let me finish this thought. Yeah, of course. But then you've got the guys who go out onto the train platforms day in and day out because they're 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 working for the tips. And some of these guys are some of the best singers and performers that you would hear on a daily basis because they're out there doing is it because they're intentionally doing it for the money or because they really love the art is it a combination it's hard to say but these are people that you would otherwise never get the chance of hearing in a much more public forum like and an online collection 
And where would you even find these guys except for stuff like the YouTube channel uh, play? Oh, God, what the hell is the name of it? Uh, something for Change. I forgot what the hell the name of the thing is. Uh, anyway, w- while I look that up, Joseph, go ahead and, and, and pull me back into whatever. Yeah, well, I originally wanted to uh, make an allusion to uh, take Depeche Mode's first album. I'm sorry to say, but those fuckers couldn't sing. uh, (laughs) If you've ever tried to play the guitar to anything, um, uh, one of the first albums, it is so auto-tuned or adjusted, uh, if you want to call it, that it's, it's completely out of out of court um yeah you can't tune a guitar to it um you basically have to i had to take the mp3 and speed it up uh, to make it uh fit in the, the quote-unquote traditional chord system but um you know when, when you're talking about uh you went on to talk about uh, you know the mix of uh, love for the arts and making money well I can extend that to any trade as well. I mean, it should be uh, a mix of a mix of both because if you're really interested by what you're doing, well, you want to make a better thing that others will appreciate, and if others appreciate uh, whatever you do, whatever you found, whatever your experiment is, then yeah, you're going to make a living from it. And uh, that would be a a more or less natural way of uh, earning an income. But unfortunately, the the market is dominated by uh, the the profit-oriented people who haven't got a fucking clue how to do anything themselves. So all they know how to do is um, produce what is already sold in the past. And that goes for music, that goes for fashion, that goes for pretty well anything. So you've got the result of that is groups like, uh, well, Nickelback. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, Gene Simmons had a thing about that in, the, in a book he wrote. It was called Sex, Money, Kiss. And it's been a while since I read it, but I'm, I'm going to paraphrase uh, what he had said. You, you've got your job, you've got your hobby. You do your job to pay for your hobby until your hobby makes you money. Then you quit your job and you live off your hobby. So just because, you know, so, some band is just absolutely killing it on, you know, as an independent and has got online sales and is doing really, really well and they're actually making money off of it, I would definitely not ascribe anything nefarious to that. It's just that they found an audience, they're doing what they love, and the fact that they're actually able to live off of that and continue to develop their, uh, you know, develop themselves as artists, I think is a good thing. Um, Another case, there's a band. uh, This is a European power metal band. Have you guys figured out that I'm a metalhead yet? <laughs> um, the band is called Ed Guy. And it's 
they actually interviewed the, the leader of the band, uh, to Tobias Samet. And what I, I heard their first stuff, like I, I listened to their first album. It was very done in a garage is what it sounded like. But then they took the sales and the proceeds from that album and they invested better amps, better instruments, a studio or a studio time. The next album sounded better. Took the proceeds from that better equipment, better sound conditioning. Next album comes out. Great. They reinvest again. Now they're getting, they're hiring orchestras or small like string quartets and stuff to give the melodic metal uh, feel. And that's what he's constantly done. Uh, I, I give you a counter proposal. ZZ Top. Uh, I forget which, I forget who the, uh, the guy that plays guitar. Constantly, when they go out on tour, constantly has, uh, has like otherwise really crappy instruments brought for him to play on stage. And, you know, the, the whole point is, look, you, you want, you want to show me the, the crappy guitar that you got there? Okay. Let me just make sure it's in tune. Okay. Here we go. Let me go ahead and show you what a good player sounds like on a crappy guitar. And the, the instrumentalist makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. It's a poor man who blames his tools. But yeah. The, but to, to, to a degree. We can't yeah. say that it's all the instrumentalist or it's all the instrument. There is there is definitely a there is a there is definitely a, a very wide gray line where one can be blamed where the other cannot. I mean, Lord knows, I, I played a real crap I played a real crap bass in high school, old, but, you know, I've said before, it was like playing an extension of my body because I was in sync with what I was doing with that, with that instrument. Every tool you use is, is an extension of your brain, your body. Uh, the, um, the electric stand-up double bass that I tried to play would very much disagree with you on this. That was a piece of shit. It was a piece of shit. Well, and I, I think that's it. It's like anything. You know, you, you work with it. You, you understand that particular instrument's idiosyncrasies. Yeah. And you work, you adapt. So now if... You know, you play that one for a number of years. You get really good at it. They put another bass in your hand. It might take you some time to understand it as well. But by then, you've got enough talent on your own that you can meet it 90% of the way. And then it just leaves the other 10% for you to understand, okay, what's, what's the quirk on this thing that I need to know? You know, it's like the expression, you know, in usual... Um, it takes 90% more work to sound 10% better. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And that is kind of in line with that. And I mean, um, you know, I'm, learn I'm still learning to play guitar. And the guitar I'm using is like a piece of shit. I mean, it's a, it's a Chinese... 
probably 1970s era Thunder knockoff. And um, let me tell you, when I whenever I get whenever I get a real guitar in my hands, uh, yeah, that's that's really something. The difference is enormous. But if I can make it sound good on that guitar, and I can make I can make it sound good on anything. Well, one would hope. Um. Oh my God, I'm sorry. I'm what? I'm looking for the the same type of uh, bass that I played, and and my Google search is coming up with some really really funky versions. Um, a headless electric double bass where the body is literally just a couple of centimeters wider than the four strings on it. Uh, I don't even know. I don't, I don't, I don't even know what to do with some of these things. It's mm. just, well, headless basses. I've actually seen, um, Oh sure. For electric. I've seen yeah, that. Getty Lee do those. But just oh so oh god, testing to see if Bridget's still there. <laughs> <laughs> you have seen through my ruse, good sir. <laughs> yeah, I'm still here. I just saw the last one walk out of the kitchen. That's okay. Yeah. Um, Between the ice maker and throwing stuff in the oven and rifling through the cereal boxes. <laughs> oh, is it baby season again? Shit, I forgot. <laughs> I don't know. That's okay. Uh, yeah, I can't. I can't find the one that I tried to play. Uh, it I'm was. Here. It was ugly. Just, just yeah, it was just ugly. Oh, anyway, uh, shout out, shout out to Davy five hundred four. Oh yeah, I, I don't know if anybody knows who I'm talking about. No, no. Uh, look him up. T- uh, no, no. Tell, uh, tell, tell, tell us. Uh, Davy five hundred four. Uh, if you want to see original content, there's nobody who does videos like this guy, and I think that's all it's Trump, but he's a bass guitarist. Um, you're going to spend the fa- the first ten minutes in probably, uh, what the fuck am I watching mode? <laughs> and he explains all the techniques of playing guitar and uh, bass guitar, anyway. Uh, he's, um, yeah, he's a bass guitarist from Italy. That's okay. Uh, there is, there is one, one bass player. I don't know what the hell his name is. Uh, I'm looking it up right now. When I, (laughs) okay. When I was doing the college radio, because I, I was in the right place at the right time. It's a long story. The guy that would do the show after we got done, uh, myself and uh, Dr. Bill, we were doing the uh, uh, the Mad Trivia Party here in Buffalo. Long story. I've got a whole shit ton of cassette tapes that are recorded from all that. The guy, Jesse, oh, wow, hadn't thought of that in a long time, would have the show after us if he showed up, the live show, and he would just play you know, live tracks of, of the stuff that they were allowed to. And the song that he started off with was something, uh, something called the sinister minister done by Bela Fleck and the Flecktones. Uh, Bela was a, uh, uh, is, is 
a banjo player, if I remember correctly. But they do kind of jazz fusion uh, in the song. And his bass player, where is he? Uh, synth X drum tar bass. Victor Wooten. That's him. Victor Wooten. On this song, if I remember correctly, plays a headless, fretless bass guitar. And I swear to Christ, I have no idea how he gets the sound out of it that he does. Slapping, hammering, pulling strings. It's, he turns it into an absolute percussion solo that I have no freaking clue how he did. And I still have yet to find a video of him actually playing this goddamn song because it's insane. I'm going to make sure that it's in the show notes because, oh my God, this guy was a fucking animal. That's look, that's my one. Look, that That's my one for the DV, night. Look up DV504. He's kind of in that vein. Davey, D-A-V-E-Y, I will What's up, slappers? 504? Yeah. DV 504. Oh, YouTube. A super popular. Uh... <laughs> the first video hit that comes up on YouTube is from Davey504 from June of 2016. The title of the video is Do You Get Laid? <laughs> Q&A with Davey. So, yeah, which is which uh, is the one question every bassist hates to answer. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, wasn't there an article somebody put out? I think it was The Onion uh, put out an article about uh, a group who by accident slept with a bass guitarist. <laughs> uh, hey, Bridget, turn on your microphone for a couple seconds and just say hi. Hi. Wow, shit, that worked. I didn't think it was going <laughs> to... <laughs> Uh, so is the popcorn ready? Uh, that's a sore subject right now. <laughs> oh! Yeah, my daughter was completely like, I forgot what time it was. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what time is it there now? Uh, it's 12.33. It's late. It's late. And everybody's still up. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, yeah. Can you hear that? <laughs> no, actually, I can't hear anything. Basically, now I'm at an age where I'm doing everything that my parents wanted me to do. Um, you know, go to bed at nine. <laughs> <laughs> Get your hair cut. Oh, oh I never... <laughs> Well, yeah, I'd love that's to get a, my haircut if there was oh, a place to get it cut out. You know, but, you know. I'm telling you, I'm 
I'm eyeing those clippers that I have in my in the bathroom. Just I've been sorely tempted just because it's driving me. You know, there's yeah, nothing. There's nothing wrong with it. A yeah. boredom, lack of experience, and a pair of clippers is very bad thing. Yeah, that, that's something I just don't want to think about at this point. <laughs> All right, um, let me let me, let me that's point a reverse, it. That's a reverse mohawk. <laughs> what the hell let's let's not go there. Tiny Triple is kind of semi buzzing his head, except for the middle, so he can start working on a mm-hmm. punky kind of. Okay, so let me let me explain something about my hair for a second. My hair, okay, is do not adjust the saturation level on your YouTube. This is actually what it looks like now. I know, <laughs> is what it is. But my hair is short. It is quite short. And it has been quite short for several years now. The reason was, you love this, when I went to work at the bakery, I had to wear a hair nut and mm-hmm. a beard catcher. Yes, mm-hmm. there is also a hair nut for beards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I found out, in my county... Or I forget if it was the state rigs. Uh, I forget which one it was. Anyway, it turns out if your hair, including whiskers, are under a quarter inch, you do not need to wear a hairnet or a catcher. So I had gotten ahead and gotten some electric clippers and did my head. And I've kept it like this you know, pretty much since. Here's the fun part. One of the bosses who had taken over the place, and you notice I've never said the name of the place right. for, for reasons. One of the bosses took umbrage at this and told me, no, I still need to wear a hairnet. Blah, 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 blah. And I said, no, as a matter of fact, I looked up the regs and I'm, I'm legal. I'm in the clear. Everything's fine. Through a hissy fit, came back later. I don't remember how long it was afterwards. I forget if it was later that day or the next day. And had a computer printout from a web page with a highlighted section that said that you were supposed to wear a hairnet from Ireland. It was the health department regulations regarding wearing a hairnet in a cooking environment from Ireland. And I had to explain to him, this isn't legal in any way, shape, or form here. That isn't that, that's a great example of, uh, <clears throat> you know, that's like a... An apologist uh, stance. You start with the premise, yep. and you can find any fact you want to. Yeah, he, he. I think he was more pissed off that I knew the rigs better than he did. He was also the guy who claimed to have been a professional photographer for a while, uh, borrowed my camera when I, I brought it in, my, my good 35 mil camera, and swapped lenses and did not cover the backside of the lenses with their covers when he switched them and just dropped it into my bag. I was unhappy at that and never let him touch my equipment again. 
you want to be a professional? Cool. You want to go ahead and, and be higgledy-piggledy with your equipment? That's fine. You're borrowing somebody else's. You should be treating it with the best possible, one would think. But that's me, you know? I don't have 14 grand to sink on a digital SLR body. Well, there's, I don't know how many rabbit holes there are to follow in that story, but I mean, you know, already he's going near camera, so he thinks your professional camera will make him a professional photographer. Oh shit, didn't work out, so who gives a fuck, throw it all in the bag, send it back. Well, he, he, you know what, that, that rabbit hole is real simple. He was a tool. He was a manager, wasn't he? Uh, he, he was, he was one of the owners of the company at the time. Uh, he was well, also no fucking clue about, uh, was he an actual, did, did he know, uh, the trade he was, was it the manager? I don't really think so. He, he was in the air force, Navy, whatever. He, he was in the military for a while. Uh, he had the certificate and everything, which was all well and good. That doesn't qualify him as anything, but, um, he was also the one that w- delivered, uh, two wedding cakes an hour away from Buffalo to the wrong halls and they in, turned off his phone. Okay, so it's basically a... He was a tool. Bakery, he was a bakery delivery guy. Oh, no, 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 no. He, he, he was just delivering that one, those two, that time. Be, okay. Partly because they didn't have me doing it for whatever reason at the time. I don't know. This was a long time ago. But he he was uh, he was a tool because you weren't wearing a hairnet. No, he was he was he was. Trust me, he was a tool. But be this it may, like like most managers. I mean, <sighs> sadly, yeah. Well, how you know that's a normal thing in our economy. But how is somebody? has no idea how to do a trade expect to manage others you know that's that's an excellent question um and and bridget i'm I'm sure that you you're probably gonna have a little something to say about this one people who move up through the ranks actually have an appreciation for what's supposed to be done and how and why as opposed to people that just come in from outside that say, okay, guess what? I'm now going to manage everything and everything's going to get changed over to the way that I want it to because reasons, because it's my, it's my football now and you don't like it. I mean, let's face it. How many nurses station get turned upside down because people come in from the outside? Well, I mean, it happens in any job, really. It does, but oh. in the medical field to me, that's that has a lot more running on the that has a lot more consequence if something gets missed because of sudden uncertainties about things it, it does but i mean general problem is you know knowing more than your boss does and your boss thinks that they know everything <laughs> And, uh, yeah, a lot of times I don't. Yep. Dallin knows a little something about that, too. So, yeah. Even in the military, it happens. I mean, it's like the more incompetent you are, uh, the higher up the chain you go. 
where you get promoted. Because I, I also wanted to beg to differ with what you said, Shushin, that uh, actually doing your job right gets you credit. Actually, um, it can have actually quite the opposite effect, because like what I said earlier, well, you're making us all look bad. No, you're right. Um, you're right. It's not... Yeah, well, just once again, I mean, nothing's really simple. I mean, you know, you've got... Uh, if you're working for a company that actually loves what they do, yeah, you are actually going to rise up in the ranks uh, if you do your job right. But if you're just... You know, like, if you want to take your bakery, for example, some guy comes up with an idea, well, let's let's try to make money on something everybody needs to buy. Oh, everybody buys bread, so we'll open a bakery. And, you know... Um, somebody like that who has no idea about what they're doing um, who just wants to make money uh, well <clears throat> if you well, already the premise he's starting on is uh, but I mean uh, <clears throat> yeah but if, if you're going to fall into all sorts of other problems like uh, questioning his authority and all that uh, He's going to be doing his best to hide the fact that uh, he shouldn't be in the fucking trade. Yeah, that brings up the something else that I have to put into the uh, show notes again. I'm adding a lot of stuff to show notes tonight. Look at this. <laughs> the Peter Principle. Lawrence J. Peter. You thought Murphy's Law was bad. The Peter Principle, you cannot unlearn the Peter Principle, but that's a whole other thing. Um, The Peter Principle... Sure, the Peter Principle is basically this. Everyone rises to their level of incompetence in an organization. Rises to the level of incompetence. Yeah, so what, what they're saying there, Joseph, is that people will... They'll continue to rise. They'll go until they can't, like they are unable to go any further just because they... They can no longer successfully perform the job that they are in. Yeah. So if you're doing a really good job at something, okay, you know what? In the traditional commercial uh, establishment, if you're doing a really good job at this, cool. Let's go ahead and give you a different job with different responsibilities because you've shown that you can do a really good job at that one. Obviously, you should be able to handle this one. Cool, you've done this one. Great. Let's move you out of doing that job and move you up to another one that's got different responsibilities that, oh, you can't do as well. Well, you know what? We'll just, you can just stay there until you um, figure it all out. Meanwhile, there's a bunch of people that just got promoted to jobs that you vacated that now have to learn how to do that job maybe as well as you did. Now try to explain that rationally, that behavior. It isn't. Mm-hmm. It really isn't. And Stephanie brought up something, and and Stephanie, you're going to appreciate this, and I, I, think, I think the rest of you guys are going to, and Bridget especially, because this is a military piece. My, you know what? I got, I got no, I got no problem with saying this. My brother, who went through the Air Force Academy, graduated, got his, uh, got his, uh, his uh, graduation papers from President Clinton, who, by the way, 
uh, apparently he's a really tall dude. Anyway, so he's uh, he's been in for a little while. He he was uh, flying A10s, and eventually, you know, he's no longer flying. He's managing uh, aircraft and 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 base and whatnot. And they come in for you know the morning briefing, figuring out all of what's going on. And as he put it, this fresh out of the academy lieutenant is going ahead talking about, well, we've got this and we've got that and we can't do this and we can't do that because we got this and we got that. And and my brother at this point is a captain. He's just like, hold on, sergeant, what's actually going on, please? And the sergeant was nice and composed and he's like, well, sir, we can do this and we can do that and we can do that and we can do this. And yeah, we can make sure that this all happens. Uh, this piece, that's not going to happen, but we can make sure that that happens at this point with this parameters. Yeah, we can we can make this all work for you. Okay. So if there's one thing my brother learned, fresh out of whatever schooling is all well and good for your rank. Doesn't mean you know jack shit about how stuff operates. You've got, there's book smarts, yep. and there's street smarts. Yep. Well, there's a huge difference between doing everything, you know, physically in school. You learn in school, everything is a list of rules, basically. Um, but with time, uh, you learn that actually rules are for people who don't know how to um, think for themselves, or people who don't know uh, the trade. Well, it depends on what the rules are in the situation. I dealt with, uh, for a little while at one point, I dealt with multiple transportation organizations, and the rules were set up in place because you're not allowed to have somebody step on somebody else's feet where it comes to jurisdiction on stuff. Oh, that's something else. Yeah. Yeah, but I see what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that you're wrong by any stretch. It's just that there's always going to be more to the story, which is annoying as all hell. Well, actually, I, I wasn't very coherent about it, but I'm, no, no, you're basically there as a, as, a, as a guideline for those who don't yet fundamentally understand why it should be done, why things should be done that way. No, you're right. You're right. And things yeah. will should evolve. I mean, there's no uh, etched in stone rules. I mean, um, if people, if there's a better way to do things. Unless you're dealing with government work, apparently. Well, yeah, rules should evolve if you can prove that the rule is bad or is no longer valid owing to circumstances. And you can, and if you can show that there's a better method or there's a, there's, um, something that can consistently disprove that rule, it, it's a scientific method. You know, uh, black holes we thought were this. But we learned something, so now, okay, they're not this anymore, now they're this. Oh, well, that's why well now that's changed. That's why we're not riding horses. <clears throat> well, exactly. So, so like, uh, having, having rules, having the basis from which to go off of, I still think is important. Because from an if, education point of view, yeah. Well, yeah, cool. because 
Well, okay. Um, here's one. And, uh, this actually took me until a couple of years ago to figure out. Uh, have any of you guys taken calculus? Uh, I'm sure I did it at one point. <laughs> All right. One of the exercises my school, my teacher taught me was what's called curve sketching. Now, what curve sketching is, now, the, the way we had it is we, we had the equation, which was freaking massive. Like, the, the, this, the, this was not algebra. This was algebra on a totally different level. Now, based on that equation, you would create a particular type. You would create a graph. But the idea was, is what if you... So, for instance, um, again, going back to, to stars or, or to astronomy. So, you look at some phenomenon through a telescope, and you've analyzed it, you've, you've structured it, and so your thought is, okay, if I apply this amount of, th this value of whatever, um, then according to everything we found out, we should be getting this result. So you start plotting, you know, okay, so if we add this, we see this. If we add this, we see that. And eventually you get your curve. You get, you get your graph to, to show what, what happens. You know, it becomes the basis of, of a theory or a law. But then what is the... So if you've been able to do that empirically, like you've actually been able to observe what, you, what you've seen based on your predictions, how do you translate that into a mathematical formula so that you could create, you know, say a computer model of it? That's where calculus comes in. Or LSD. One of the two. Well, well trust me, it's, it's almost the same. Mm. But the thing is, I learned about curve sketching. I learned how to do it, you know, front and backwards. Never really saw practical application for it. Until Ew. I started looking at this kind of stuff. Went, well, shit. If my math teacher was still alive, I'd say... Thanks. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, 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 I can't use it because, like, I mean, I've, I've been away from it for so long. But the thing is, I finally understand what he was trying to get across is that you, you, you see something, you, you work, you test it empirically. So you see the results, you graph the results, and then you work backwards to find out what the formula is to create that same curve so that now you know... <clears throat> If I apply X amount of force to this, my predicted result will be Y after running it through this formula. But I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't learned the basics first. And, and that's kind of where I was getting to my point is the rules, the procedures, all of that, you got to start somewhere and you have to understand it so that you can so order I, in I, chaos. My point was that <clears throat> I, you just said it yourself. You, you didn't understand the reason for the existence of the rules until you had to understand uh, the actual function itself. Yeah. And it, it just when, when you had said that rules are there for people that, you know, can't think critically, um, well, I, maybe I just, maybe I just overstepped because I my take thought that was, back. 
No, and I, I actually, I understand where you were coming from, is that when you're learning the rules, you, you haven't, you can't think critically because maybe you're not old enough, maybe you don't have enough experience in life to make that leap. But, you know, you have your order set. And like, okay, I, I know all of this, I, I know it, it's, it's, maybe it's by rote, maybe it's by, by repetition, whatever. Now, what happens if I do this and you take that step into the, into chaos and see if it worked, but if it didn't, then you could still pull back and say, okay, I've still got my foundation. Let's reevaluate. Let's try again this direction. Okay. That didn't work either. Okay. Let's come back to the base. Now let's try this direction. Okay. Now we've discovered something. Let's build on it. So then you build and build and build, and maybe you finally disprove one of the rules that you originally learned. Or you, you go, hey, you find a better, uh, find a better method. But well, I yeah, mean, that's what I mean. <clears throat> like if you take a list of rules, okay, you're you're in university, and then you start, for example, the tooling trade, um, or like if you're you're a lathe worker or something like that, you're gonna start out with a few basics and all that, <clears throat> and um, and you're gonna learn how to do the trade, and you're actually gonna become a good. Uh, what do you call that in English? A lathe worker, a turner? No, um, that's yeah, a, a, a lathe operator. Actually, probably um, where the family name comes from. Damn but, it! But I mean, the, uh... you know, if you've been working in the trade for like twenty years or whatever, you're 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 good at what you do, and somebody comes out to you with a rule book, you're just gonna look at it and go like, uh, yeah, and because I mean, basically, you understand. The, the reason for, for every rule in there because you've experienced it personally. But then you've got people who start with the rule book and, you know, don't stray with it. Um, I, Which means if I follow this formula, then I'm going to know everything about this trait. But people who do that, in essence, I'd like to argue anyways, um, they don't learn anything about the trait itself. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. Um, I'm just finding something here. I, see, I hope I can find it. Yeah. Of course, I'd have to follow that rabbit hole a bit further because, I mean, basically every trade that we do, uh, we're either bettering <clears throat> the possibility for our own survival or making survival possible for other people. And I mean, instinctively in the brain, that's how that works. Um... But, and again, we're coming to responsibility, so if you're going to take the responsibility of learning a trade, okay, I'm serving this function in society, this is my purpose, um, you know, you have a completely different way of looking at it than somebody who uh, says, well, if I do X, Y, and Z, as this other person told me, then the result is going to be um, reward Z or whatever. I, I just tossed. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm just talking about work ethic. Work ethic. Yeah. I, I just tossed a clip in uh, in our chat uh, from Star Trek: The Next Generation. Uh, it was where Scotty was on the Enterprise, and he's having a conversation with Jordy about uh, switching an impulse engine or something to the auxiliary tank. And Jordy says, "Wait, uh, the tank's not designed to hold that." And Scotty says, "Where did you read that?" Or where did you learn that? And he said, Star Trek, 
you know, or uh, Federation regulations. Says, oh, you mean this, this, this regulation and that one? He says, yeah. I says, yeah, forget it. I wrote it. <laughs> a good engineer is always a wee bit conservative on paper. Yep. So I, I think right there, that sort of, that, that explains what you were saying about, um, oh, I think that I think the term you were looking for for the lathe operator was millwright. I believe, I could be wrong. That's a new one, maybe. Uh, my my boss at the, the furniture company. That's what he was a tradesperson as a millwright. Um, I think. Don't don't quote me on that one. No. Um, but right there, that's the difference between okay, you know, Jordy did everything by rote. He was rules and regulations by the book. Scotty has been in the business for so long, <laughs> you know, he, well, and even earlier in that, in that show, he says, I could tell how fast the ship was going by the feel of the deck plates. Yep. So to him, the enterprise was your base. Chujin. Yeah. It, it was, he had that kind of relationship with that ship because he, he took the time. He learned everything about it and he knew how far he could push it. Because, you know, that, that was his passion. That was his thing. He, he knew how far he could take the ship, how far everything worked on it. It became an extension of himself. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, by the way, Stephanie has just put in there, uh, a millwright was much more than a lathe operator, uh, was a practical engineer. Okay, yeah. So, so I, I misread that one completely. But uh, No, you, well, you, might, you might be remembering uh, one of the correct but it might not be in, encompassing uh, entirely. But be that as it may, yeah. that's, that's still a term I didn't know. Well, and given the fact that uh, that guy uh, in this city alone, he started, I think, seven businesses, six of which are still operating to this day. Like, th this was hilarious. Um, we were, we went to one, uh, me, him, and a bunch of the other guys from the senior staff, we went to this one site because we wanted to talk to them about a software that they were using just to see if we could adapt it to what we did. And these guys did uh, mobile conveyor belt systems. So like basically conveyor belts on the back of trucks. If I'm being very, very simplistic about it. So... We're wandering around the, the site and he's he's looking, he's and he's he's nodding at these machines, and I just look at him like, you know, what's up? He says, You see that one there? Yeah. And that one over there? Yep. And that one over there, yep. I designed them. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what? It it was it, it was right there that I realized that this guy was very, very worthy of, of a lot more respect than he was given by a lot of people. I saw him in a completely new light, and then he told me about all the other businesses he'd set up in the city. And me realizing now that, you know, all but one of them still exist. The one that doesn't exist was the one that I used to work for that I got shut down after I left because of things. But it was... um. See, I'm just reading what Stephanie said here. Uh, I know of, of one millwright who was sent out to a posh house in the 1920s to mend the water pump. He did that in a couple of hours, but had been given a week to do it. 
So that's, you know, that's the Scotty thing, you know. Just a day in the life of your average miracle worker, you know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> now, what's a Milner? Oh, my Lord. She fear, She finishes that up. When one went... Okay, uh... Okay, oh, uh, sorry, to mend yeah. the water pump, uh... Let's see, uh, found a load of motor cars in the stables, which was quite the quite the thing to, to have a, a, I mean, to have a stable like that and to have your motor cars in that. Uh, when one went wrong, meaning the cars, the chauffeur did not know how to fix them, so the family bought a new one. By the end of the week, they all worked and the chauffeur knew how to fix them. That's That's beautiful to me. That's beautiful. Then again, also, back in the day when all the machinery was all mechanical and there was no computerization to have to take into account, too. Yeah, Everything you, was... You weren't... You didn't exactly need to be Mopar certified to work on these things. True enough. <laughs> if you want to talk about, you know, work ethic and... Uh, a lot of where I got that was my granddad. I mean, he's, he could just... Look at a machine and know exactly how it works. That's something special, man. That's something special. When you know your craft inside and out, regardless of what it is, that's... It's more than just craft. I mean, he understands, I don't know, Well, it's down to purpose? Well, sure. The, the machine is going to do X then it's probably built, you know, in this fashion and uh, and requires a whole cocktail of knowledge, perhaps the laws of physics. Um, and all of that together gives that. And uh, you have the understanding of physics, you, gotta, you have an understanding of the goal that's uh, supposed to be accomplished with the machine, then chances are you're going to have a better chance of figuring out how it works. Right. And what I mean by the the craft is that taking all that practical engineering knowledge and being able to spout out that information is one thing. But knowing how to get something out of it, especially something that isn't necessarily uh, part of the design spec, that's art. That's a special kind of futzing around with stuff. That's uh, another way of saying that a trade is more than just memorization. It is. It's it's the entire reason why kids get taught math and then get quizzed on math for exactly the same reason that Dallin was talking about. It's one thing to memorize the equations. It's another to know when to use them and what to use them for. And, you know, you can always look up an equation once you know what it is that you're looking for. But it's a matter of knowing practically when you need that particular one to get what you need. Uh, to me, it's the same thing with, with engineering. You can, you can know everything that there is about uh, tensile strength of Damascus steel, but knowing how to forge a sword because you know all the different pieces that go into it. That's a different kind of that's a different kind of thing. But I'm kind of stretching the metaphor just a little bit there. 
and I just uh, I just realized we're uh, crap. We're we're pretty much at the uh, at the end of the thing and already. Yeah, I know. I I had just realized uh, just a, a couple of minutes ago that shit. We're at the top of the hour. Wow. Um, <laughs> and I feel bad because I mean I was I I. I hope that you didn't feel like we were shutting you out of the conversation, Bridget, because, you know... Oh, no. I know that there's been stuff going on also that's kind of prevented, but, you know... It's okay for there to be a little bit of banging and whatnot. I mean, it's it's, it's fine. Oh, funny. It was after everybody was done in the kitchen, then uh, one of the cats decided to get a case of the zoomies and was peering through the house. Oh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's nothing like having a cat suddenly terrassing around the house at two in the morning. That's that's beautiful. <laughs> no, there is one thing worse: rabbit deciding to do it. Yeah, at least I don't have ferrets licking my toes. I mean, that's good. <laughs> yeah. There's something for that. And and Stephanie, by the way, really quickly, forging a sword is highly skilled job. Uh, forgive me for wording it this way. And I mean no insult. No shit, Sherlock. Oh my yeah. god, I've it's seen perfect. what's. I've seen what some of the the traditionalists uh, for katanas in yeah. Japan do, and it's like a ten man job to do this. But oh man, I I know. Uh, oh, not particularly. There's a video. There's a great video on YouTube um, that shows A to Z the process of. Uh, um, oh. This Oh, abs- absolutely. But I, I've seen the ones where it's the traditionalists where there's like eight guys when all is said and done, uh, where like four of them are with with the big sledgehammers yeah. around the blade and it's just wham, 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 you know. They're not using the pneumatic hammers that you see these days. Yeah. Oops, sorry. Those are awesome. Oh, they are. They are. Absolutely. Yeah. I did throw, uh, right when the show started, I did throw two links into the show notes. Um, just because I, I didn't know where we were going, and I wanted to at least throw some good news at you. Uh, I talked about the first one here uh, last night, um, and I just wanted to expand on it a little bit. Uh, up here in Canada, we have a chain of uh, drugstores called London Drugs. And they are... You guys have Shoppers Drug Mart down there? Uh, yes. <clears throat> okay. Sorry. So they're very much like that. You know, you can get more than just uh, pharmaceuticals and other stuff. You can get, there's grocery, you know, limited groceries, uh, some electronics, a, a little bit of everything. As a matter of fact, uh, London Drugs also has a kick-ass computer department. I wonder if they're named for, the, for my hometown. Yeah, for the uninitiated, anyway. Uh, <laughs> <Handy>. <laughs> anyways. <laughs> So I, I, I caught this article, and I actually I saw, I saw this on the news a couple days ago. And the headline that I've got now is, London Drugs Clearing Space Shelf for Western Canada Small Businesses to Sell Their Goods. So they're clearing some shelf space in select stores to give local small businesses a chance to sell their goods because those small businesses have probably had their doors closed because of COVID-19. So... What they're getting, what they're allowing people to do is to bring their stock into these London drug stores, have them on display so that people can buy them. So, you know, like you, it could be a, a kitschy store, um, you know, maybe a place that does more artsy craftsy type stuff, or. Well, I could use another garden room. Well, 
not so I'm much a joking, guard, but uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, but but you, you see where I'm coming from, like just yeah, you know, a, a place that would normally thrive uh, in places like that, in in cities like this. Be happy. They've that all the been competition is gone. Yeah, but at, at least London Drugs is giving them the chance to continue to sell their wares and hopefully keep limping along until they can fully open, you know, formal. Which I thought was really cool. And then the second one I put in, this is something I just heard on NPR today. Uh, they were interviewing this author from Ireland who had apparently gone on a uh, disaster tour. Um, he went to Chernobyl. Apparently it's, it's cold. It's cool enough now, radioactively speaking that you can actually, they, they actually organize tours through what's left of the town. So you can see what it was like to live there and, and, you know, get, get an idea of some history, kind of like a modern day touring the ruins. You know, you go to like Chichen Itza or, you know, Giza, you, you see something that, you know, obviously it stood the test of time for thousands of years here. It stood the time for man, a couple of decades. Um, but apparently this, what they call uh, catastrophe tourism is a thing. So what I listed in the show notes, there is uh, eight popular uh, disaster tourism sites, according to popular mechanics. And Chernobyl was number one. Yeah, I'm not surprised. And I just looked it up. It was uh, April of 86. Yeah, so 34 so... years. Man, yeah. that's 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 absolutely insane. But, you know, I also lived through that, so, you know, it's it's kind of a weird mm -hmm. thing. Uh we've we've got to we've got to go ahead and just yeah. wrap up over here. Uh as as fun as this has been, as as much as my coffee was worth it, you know, there's only so much I can do. Um hmm. Bridget, since uh, since you had the, the least amount of time, um, besides your usual clothes off, what else would you? Uh, was there anything that you wanted to make sure was was put out there? Because I mean, let's face it, we've we've pretty much had the time where you didn't. I don't really have anything. I was afraid you were going to say that. <laughs> See, and for any and for anybody that knows the study, I want Bridget to be speaking more than thirty percent of the conversation whenever possible. Thank you very much. There's some people that know which study I'm talking about. You are the ones that are again my people. Please tell me you know which which study I'm talking about. Bridget, do you no know idea. which? No idea. Okay. Sorry. Oh, Bridget, one question. Uh-huh. Is Mike Pence fucked yet? <laughs> okay. You know what? We're going to go another 10 minutes. We're going to go another 10 minutes on this one. And this one is just between her and I for, for this. Okay. What did you scream at the screen when you saw Mike Fucknuggets walking around a hospital ward without a goddamn mask on his gob. It's like you arrogant 
Nick, what the hell do you think you're doing? And what kind of sense of entitlement do you have? Oh, did you hear his excuse? Oh, he wanted to look the healthcare people in the eye. And I'm like, that's one of them. That's one of them. He also insisted that he was. He's been tested. So he doesn't need. He gets tested every day or something like that. Like apparently (sighs) he gets, you know, he's already been tested, which is fine for Monday. But. Tuesday, you could have it be asymptomatic and be a time bomb. And you also have to have a certain viral load before the test will even pick it up because it doesn't have a hundred percent sensitivity. And, and I'm just like, you know, they told you ahead of time, dude. Who do you think you are? You know, which is really weird because if you know, you've got. One side of a one side of that government, I use that term loosely. It's fine. Saying that you know we're, we're taking this seriously, it's a very serious thing. It's a, it, it's very serious. We're we're doing everything we can to fight it. Yeah. Uh, don't drink bleach. Uh, instead, inject it. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> I reckon somebody who says it's serious sounds like somebody who doesn't understand the seriousness of it at all. Well, mm-hmm. and the thing is, so you've got one side of them saying that, and then you've got, you know, Stimpy McFuckface over here. There, there's my one. Uh, basically flying in the face of everything, saying, well, I guess it can't be that serious. Or, or as Stephanie said, you know, is, it. is, is he covered it. in the I'm... blood of Jesus? Is that it? No, but it's, this is all, again, going to the same behavior. I mean, it's, it's like people just saying, oh, I'm fine. It comes down to an that. example. I mean, good grief. But apparently shame works because the next day he came to Indiana at some plant and uh, had on a mask then. I saw the uh, the, <laughs> the cover of the, uh, the New Yorker had uh, Trump on the cover and he was wearing a COVID mask, but he was wearing it over his eyes. Uh. Yeah, if you're doing that, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. You want to talk about the the stupidity of people with this whole thing. Briefly. And, yeah. uh, I'll find one more link. Um, Another YouTube video uh, from one guy I've talked about before, Jeff Holliday. Uh, He just recently did a, uh, he he does these uh, shows, He, he goes after pseudoscience. Hard. Like, has been on Dr. Phil to shout down somebody who got on there to talk about her um, her kimchi juice and how it cures cancer and regrows limbs. Okay, great. Anyways, he just did his uh, monthly wingnut roundup recently. And, oh boy. Yeah, there's a reason people are having the trouble in the states that they are. Again, I'm speaking, I'm not speaking about us, but why shit's happening is because you've got people like who he uh, showcased on his last video. Oh, there are some specimens there. Oh, my God. How how do these people live? Actually, one of them was, um, oh, uh, he's called the, the, the detox dude. 
And this is the same guy who said that um, uh, your chi, your, your energy of being, is stored in your balls. Oh, yeah. I remember After that. After which Jeff Holiday said, that's going on a T-shirt, <clears throat> a T-shirt I own. <laughs> Just so you know, I have that shirt. Yeah, well, apparently he's back again talking about COVID and everything. And other people talking about how uh, a bunch of LED lights have been installed in a neighborhood. But well, they're not LED lights. They're directed energy weapons of the Chinese government to get rid of dissenters when the time comes. I'll send you a link. <laughs> well, basically, people just... I, you know, okay. Um, people who survive by imitators, sorry, that expression again, but I mean... Um, they have no fucking clue how to survive themselves. Um, so they kind of get off by, they get reward by other people listening. You know, if they, you don't know how to test anything yourself, you're not going to know the validity of uh, whatever you're saying. And somebody who survives by imitation, I mean, that's not even important because all the reward is in just other people listening to you you seek validation you know the more people listen to you the truer it is basically and that's how these people survive um some even manage to make a living off it yeah they do we gotta go ahead and uh, we gotta we gotta we gotta we gotta get rolling uh the last piece that uh, that I wanna drop for everybody is that uh there is there is a lot of things. There really are a lot of things that popped up in my head, uh, you know, trying to figure out what to talk about tonight. Uh, a lot. And I just had a really hard time trying to figure and isolate any one particular thing. I'm just going to leave you with this thought for this week. And please forgive me if this is a little bit of a downer. It's sort of meant to be. You got people on this side of the border yelling and screaming about the new weapons ban that's going into effect in Canada because Second Amendment rights. There are people on the Canadian border side who are barking and screaming about their Second Amendment rights. There's people yelling and screaming about how they need a haircut, so these people should be pushed into getting out there and servicing them. There are people who are pushing back, reminding, if you force us to open and we get sick again, who's going to foot the bill? And in the meantime, who's going to be footing the bill anyway? And if you force us to open up, we're no longer on that protective role for funds and help and what are you trying to do in Canada right now as far as COVID is concerned the current closed cases have a 13% mortality in the United States it's not been pretty either 
I don't have the current percentage rate, unfortunately. In France, right now, it's 33%. Look. Do I want this to be a bummer? No. Do I want this to be realistic? Yes. Bottom line. Collectively. Speaking on behalf of all of us. Don't do anything stupid. Keep yourself protected. Keep other people protected. And I joke about saying, I don't want to be the one to get Betty White dead by this. But it doesn't have to be somebody that we know. We're keeping ourselves away from everybody else. We're putting up with the emotional turmoil of this whole damn thing for the people we don't know. You want to feel like rats in a cage? Fine. Rats in a cage have shown empathy. They've shown sympathy. We can do better. We don't have too much of a choice. So we got to get ourselves out of here. Like I said, I didn't want it to be a bummer, but there's a lot to consider. But be this it may, as always, everybody, thank you very much for being part of our community and being with us. We hope that you found something worthwhile in all of our perspectives. Stephanie, of course, thank you so very much. You take care of yourself. Seriously, just be really careful. And of course, all you guys listening after the fact, same for you, please. Please stay safe. Joseph, of course, as always, thank you very much for your time. You have yourself a decent week and uh, stay safe out there, man. Yeah, you too. And, uh, yeah, well, thanks for everything. No worries. Hey, you know, look look at the bright side. You know, you close enough to all that radiation from the, the Curie's laboratory. Maybe, maybe that's helping to... Actually, that's probably not such a good idea. Maybe that's going to mutate the strain even worse. Never mind, I'll shut up now. I, I'm going to become even weirder. No. Okay. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, well, we don't want the show to go on uh, another about that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it is going to uh, be one of those days, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's one of those negative things. There are some negative things that are actually, uh, uh, that are proving to be a defense against uh, COVID. But anyways, uh, but just uh, don't, don't, don't try everything. No, no. And don't look to Trump. That's all too true that's that's a whole other thing too that uh, i'm not we don't have another half an hour to go bridget thank you very very kindly you take care of yourself very very much please oh i will i'm still uh hunkered down in the house <laughs> yep you and us both yeah i do not want the covid <laughs> your contact information if you want to send me a friend request on uh, Facebook, I go by Bridget Fitch. And you can also find me on my blog at BridgetFitch2112.wordpress.com. And? And uh, Beyond the Trailer Park is still on hiatus. Yay! <laughs> and? And what? 
I'm missing something here. The three little words you always say to that one oh, particular oh, individual. Durr, I had a I had a blonde moment. Fuck Mike Pence. I don't know how you could possibly. All of your isn't <laughs> you 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 can't get any. Wait, wait, have you been able to get out to get the uh, peroxide to? You know what? Whatever, it, no. it, it's fine. It's uh, no, but I mean, fortunately for me, I'm very low maintenance, so you know. I haven't had a pedicure in like a year, and I don't care. I'm over it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Dallin, thank you ever so much for holding me together. Hey, no problem. It's what I do. And, of course, what I need to do tomorrow, if I'm awake. Uh, <laughs> Got to go take care of the audio version of this show over at holycraftoflogcast.com. And for any other random thoughts I have here and there, uh, you can catch me at inthewind.yo5.ca. And stay tuned. Because other things are happening that um, I'm not going to say anything about it yet, but uh, you'll see. In the next episode. Pretty much. <laughs> yep. Um, there's, a, there's a thing about that. Uh, really quickly... We did a little test earlier tonight trying to find out if I would be able to use the call-in line while we're on the air like this. I need to get in touch with somebody to ask if they would very much mind if I were to, how shall I say, borrow their overall stuff. Because if I can have a call-in, I think that there is a show that deserves to at least come back from the near dead. I didn't tell the crew here what it is, but I'll tell them when we get off the air. So, as always, you all take very good care of yourselves. All of our information is at holycrapthevlogcast.com, including the call-in line, which has still only got two voicemails. Once from me, but the other one's... Uh, all, all that kind of thing. There's a thing for that. Of course, that phone number is 859-HCTV-554, 859-4288-554. And we will be back again next week. Or sooner. I will have to explain that later. So until next time, as always, I wish you all the peace I no longer have. I wish you the strength that I've learned. I wish you well. And again, I can't say it enough. Please stay safe. Fifteen years later, almost, I'm still in love with you. Matere Fujin. I love you. I miss you. Dream of me. Till the next time we get together, everyone. As always, I don't have my hat on. I don't know where my hand's supposed to go. Good night. You've been listening to Holy Crap, the Vlogcast. Feel free to leave a comment at the show's website at holycrapthevlogcast.com, where you'll also find links to our Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter pages. Theme music is Twisted by Kevin McLeod, available at incompetech.com. And on behalf of all of us here, thank you for listening.